Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com/necpodcast. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com/necpodcast. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash NEC podcast. Schools around the corner, do you have an idea where you plan to get your medical coding and building education? Consider CareerStep. CareerStep offers online courses, flexible scheduling, and a HEMA-approved curriculum. After graduation, you get a voucher to take your CCA or CPC exam. CareerStep is also a My Career Advancement account, approved school funding for military spouse education. If you enroll by September 14th, you can get a free laptop or up to $400 off your tuition. You also get free textbooks when you enroll so you can study on the go. Also make note that new tuition rates will arrive on October 1st, so I would take advantage of the current rates before they increase. Redeem this great offer by going to careerstep.medicalcodinggeek.com. Again, that's careerstep.medicalcodinggeek.com. And we weren't called coders at that point. We were the insurance girl. You are listening. You are listening. You're listening to Do Not to Not Elsewhere. Not Elsewhere. Elsewhere. Elsewhere Classified. Welcome to Not Elsewhere Classified, a podcast about the medical coding, health information technology, and clinical documentation improvement community. I'm your host, Brian Kui. Welcome to episode number four. Happy Labor Day, everybody. Summer's coming to an end, and I hope that everybody had an opportunity to take some kind of summer vacation to unwind, reset, and spend time with your family. So what did you do on your summer vacation? Did you do anything interesting? You can now call our voicemail hotline. We have one at, here it is, write it down, 813 444 8345. Again, that's 813-444-8345. You can also let us know what you think of the podcast, share a story, suggest a topic, or even refer a guest. We'd like to hear from you. And don't forget to keep those ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. It helps our show get noticed. Today, we have Pam Kulsar on today's podcast. Pam Kulsar has spent over 32 years in medical coding in a wide variety of specialties. She currently serves as the founder of Jobs for American Medical Coders, JFAMC, a social media designation for medical coding professionals with over 17,000 members. Yes, that's 17,000. If you do the math, that's over 10% of the industry in her hands. In this episode, we finally hear and learn about Pam, who she is, what she's done in the medical coding industry, and how she founded JFAMC. But before we begin with today's episode, I wanted to share that Hurricane Harvey has affected our listeners over in Texas. From what I know, they were hit with a Category 4 hurricane that left them with over 50 inches of rain, flooding, property damage, 
stranded individuals and families, injuries and casualties. I'm sure most of you have donated in some form or fashion, but I wanted to bring your attention the Health Information Relief Operation Fund. In June 2011, the American Health Information Management Association, AHIMA, and the AHIMA Foundation announced the creation of the Health Information Relief Operation Fund, also known as HERO, an ongoing recovery source to assist communities of health information professionals whose personal and professional lives have been severely disrupted by natural or man-made disaster. HIM professionals in areas affected by disasters face a unique challenge as they struggle to piece back together their own lives while working to recover as much of their community's patient information as possible. Can you imagine what the healthcare landscape looks like right now in parts of Texas that has been affected? As a Floridian, I've been through Hurricane Andrew, Wilma, and others, and I know what it's like to deal with an aftermath of a hurricane. It's not fun at all. To donate to the HERO Fund, make sure you check out HERO, H-I-R-O dot medicalcodinggeek.com. Again, that's H-I-R-O dot medicalcodinggeek.com. I want to thank Paula Morrow for helping me out and sharing the details of the HERO Fund with me. All right, I think that's about it. So without further ado, here's my interview with Pam Kalsar, who, by the way, is also from Texas. Enjoy. to Not Us Were Classified. Uh, again, I have Pam Kalsar with me. I know everybody is excited to listen to this episode because uh, she oversees a very, very, very big group jobs for American medical coders. So Pam, are you there? How are you doing? I am here. I'm doing great. How are you, Brian? I'm good. Okay. So we have a lot to talk about. Because definitely you are the person that everybody, I think, should know about, you know, because you are definitely <laughs> somebody who has very been has been very influential to a lot of members. And I think, you, you know, we have to do this episode because I'm sure everybody has a lot of questions, at least want to hear you. So uh, one thing I'm going to tell us how we connected and of course, it's through Facebook groups, right? And so you're going to right, add, right, and you have your Facebook group as well. Yeah, and we'll talk about that, and and I think we'll talk about how we manage those groups and <laughs> how it takes over most of our lives these days. And, right. Uh, a lot of people, and we're we're gonna definitely have a lot of questions from Facebook members because I posted something last night, and I, I see some people interested and wondering, you know, how you do this. So, of course, we started out in Facebook groups. I think she started out before. Uh, we'll talk about some of the dates there. Um, but she, we, we met through uh, Jobs for American Medical Coders, right? And I'm also a part of that group, too. I also help out with that group as, as best as I can. And then we had our first phone call. So for those that are listening to her now, Right. I, I'm sure you guys are having the same kind of effect. Like, you know, you're like, this is not what I suspected. So you see this picture, this profile picture, and then you listen to this nice, sweet voice. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't match, you know. So when I was talking to her uh, in the pre-interview, which I do, uh, I'm like, who's this? So it's, it's one of those moments like that's that's not you. You sure this is Pam? You know, and so 
uh, it definitely is very wonderful to hear a very sweet voice in, and especially with somebody who is managing and overseeing such a big, big, big part of the group. But before that, before even that, before jobs for American medical coders, tell the audience, where did you come from and how did you, uh, number one, get into medical coding and then eventually how does it lead up into you today? I, um, back in 1983, probably before some of you were even born, I was working in a medical clinic as a receptionist, and I started doing their insurance. We didn't even have um, desktop computers yet. Oh, Everything was done on typewriters and that kind oh, of thing. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And we weren't called coders at that point. We were the insurance girl. Oh, that's what I was, that was what I was going to ask you because you pre-filled yeah. out our interview and you said uh, before we were called coders. So what what were you called? Just insurance girl. Insurance girl. Oh my god. <laughs> you were you were the person that did the insurance. So anything that went was going to be sent to Medicaid, Medicare or Medicaid, we printed it out. And we put it in an envelope and mailed it because they weren't computerized yet either. So if you, you just, the ICD, we didn't even have ICD-9 codes when I started. We wrote out hypertension instead of, when I got the first ICD-9 book, the code for hypertension was 401. There were no extra digits, just 401. And I'm like, why do I have to do that? And they said, so it would convert to the computer that Medicare is beginning to use. That's how I started coding. I started when they started using the codes to convert to med for Medicare's insurance or their, their computer system. All right. And then what credentials do you have currently, Pam? I have, I'm CPC. I have a subspecialty in pediatrics. And I have compliance um, credentials as well. And so from being an insurance gal, <laughs> how did you progress? How did you progress from there up until you were, what you're doing now? After... I worked in the first office. I went, I, and let me explain. In nineteen in the eighties, it was easy to get a job because credentialing had not occurred. That that wasn't there yet. So um, it was easy to change jobs. I went to work for an OBGYN, and I was his office manager. I worked there for a couple of years. I went to a family practice clinic. I worked there for a couple of years. I worked for a hospital as their medical staff secretary. And I learned about JCAHO requirements and auditing and Back when criteria. it was called that. Now, <laughs> now it's called joint commission, right? So that's, that's pretty... Yeah, all that kind of stuff. And I w worked with physician, the physician committees. So I was one-on-one -on -one in many cases with the physicians. And that got me 
I don't know, just a lot of different jobs. I've worked in a lot of different specialties. Um, I worked in um, urology. I was a compliance director for a large urology group in Central Texas. Um, I have worked in compliance for a, a startup group um, that was doing basically a form of transcription, but it was a little, a little, little bit more involved than that. But I was their compliance director um, and just have kind of moved into that as compliance became a bigger thing. Again, in 1980, compliance wasn't a big deal. They, they gave you a learning curve time. So the ones eventually in the 90s, then it started getting more you have to do it. As you got to where you have to do it, then the, the compliance component comes in. So it's just built over a span of 30-something years. Oh, wow. And then here you are today. So one thing that I definitely can tell, that kind of put in perspective for those that are listening is is the fact of compliance, right? And so Pam has mentioned that, uh, especially with credentialing, especially with coding, uh, what we're seeing now in a trend from, from the 80s up until now, one thing that definitely came about in the 80s was the DRG system, right? And so the idea of putting a uh, cap for services, kind of like when I say a cap, it means a budget. Uh, for certain services, for certain diagnoses. And as we progress up until now, from the 90s up until today, you're talking about things, especially in the in the realm of uh, fraud and abuse. Uh, and so you see a definite layer of accountability, uh, both from the hospital standpoint and also uh, the physicians to making sure that uh, they're you know, the one, two words that come into mind is medical necessity. That pops up into mind when we're talking about compliance. So that you see what, what it's important is not just about assigning codes. There's a definite big layer now being placed upon on top of credentialing, uh, being placed with medical coding today. All right, Pam. So any fun facts worth sharing before we get into talking about jobs for American coders and, and everything else? What are some fun facts you want to share with the, with the audience? Uh, fun facts. Um, I, I'm a grandmother of four. I have two grown sons and four grandchildren. Uh, have been married for over 40 years. Um, we live way out in the country. Um, you mentioned there's like cows. Your, neighbor, your neighbors are cows, right? Yeah, <laughs> they are. <laughs> and... Uh, I am severely challenged by electronic devices. My grandson is a junior, will be a junior in college this year. And he always tells me, Mimi, how did you take over the Facebook and the Internet? You can't even work your phone. <laughs> which, which is just outstanding because, you know, for somebody like you managing and overseeing a big group, it's outstanding to see when you tell, you label yourself as severely electronically challenged, but here you are today, you know, managing such a big, big, big group. I'm not as a, I'm not as challenged today as I was two years ago. <laughs> no, I bet, right? When you first started, like, oh my goodness, what do I need to do? I, yeah, and, yeah, what have what have I done? <laughs> and ex exactly. That's the 
<laughs> we'll talk about that when we get into the groups. It's the same thing like here now. Like I'm doing a podcast. So what am I doing? I and, exactly. And I don't even know what I'm. You know what? What? What's these? What's this audio equipment? Why do I have to do equalizing? I mean, this is a totally new. And it's a learning curve. You know, social media is a learning curve. Facebook is a learning curve. LinkedIn is a learning curve. So just like anything that you try and do. You know, you just don't want to limit yourself to one thing. You always want to try something new, even though it may seem hard. Then you're going to just do it. Just learn on the fly. And hopefully that becomes a skill, even though it's not medical coding related. Just build yourself uh, as a professional. And that's what we are. Exactly. You have to step up and learn the next thing, which is kind of the way coding works. You you know this part now you have to step up and learn the next part so so you how do you where my question is how do you manage where do you manage the the groups is it through your your phone but you you don't do it through your phone or you do it through your computer what's your best method uh i i use a laptop pretty much exclusively um and i i'm in a different stage of my life than most of my group members are. I'm semi-retired. I keep my fingers in a little bit, do some teaching, some auditing, that kind of stuff. But I'm, I'm not working 40 hours a week. So what I, my, I have made the Facebook group my job, basically. So people want to know, my gosh, do you do anything else? No, I work on this group. I I want it to be. I have a lot of rules. I know I do, but we <laughs> we adhere to those rules, and that yes. makes it a little easier. People know what we expect. We don't post a lot of ads. We don't do a lot of drama. And so, if that's going to happen, then those people expect, in most cases, to be removed from the group or challenged on that so and 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 you get a you get a big pam post (laughs) a big pam post one of those posts you give and then you lay down the rules i love it because one one thing i told you uh with with these groups i mean she is you know you listen to the voice it doesn't match because when you look at the (laughs) look when you look at how she commands i say command you say i you say bossy but I say you command the group, uh, commandingly. You know that's the biggest thing is that you command the group in such a way that you know you're leveraging yourself as somebody uh, to listen to. You know you you have the rules. It's the same thing with my group. I deal with it too. But you have such a commanding appearance in that group. I kind of let myself kind of stand back a little bit. But you take the opposite effect and say, "This is what needs to be done. This is what's happening. Here's my take," and then you right. just put the Pam. Uh, official seal of approval on that post and, and everybody just goes uh just goes goes crazy they're like oh my goodness you know and so uh and they love it you know they they appreciate it and you see all the it, appreciation it, right afterwards it is crazy back in the early days in another group somebody had mentioned oh my gosh miss pam said and i'm like thinking who in the heck is miss pam <laughs> And then somebody else, another topic, as Miss Pam said, you need to go to this group. And Miss Pam said this. And I'm like, are they talking about me? I know, right? It's it, like it, you, you become like the instant celebrity 
uh, <laughs> status, and just just over, I guess, over for medical coders, which is which guess, is pretty yeah. funny, yeah. All right, so let's get let's jump into uh, jobs for American medical coders. The website is jfamc.org. Just to give you perspective, at least from the Facebook groups. For those that don't know about it, I'm sure you're gonna find out about it at some point. But her mem- the the amount of members is about 17,000, I think it's 288, I think as of right now, or something like that. When you think about um, the numbers, right? Uh, AHIMA, the membership itself has about 103 HIM professionals. AAPC has about uh, 160,000. So can you imagine this group alone pretty much handles 10% of the pie? Exactly. No. And we only allow in people that live inside the United States. Right. And we'll get into that, too. Uh, <laughs> and so that's just a big, I mean, that's a big pie. I mean, that's a lot of it pie to, to eat and handle and, and manage. And uh, we'll definitely talk about that. So what, tell me more, tell the audience more about uh, JFAMC. What is it all about? Uh, it's, we started a, a website and... Um, I'm fortunate that I have some amazing administrators that to they volunteer their time. Nobody's getting paid, but we're trying to find ways to extrapolate the information from the group to an audience that is perhaps more specific and offer some educational things as well as more job focused type of information we can have the rss feeds set up on the group and we have that uh we're going hopefully we'll we'll be offering some type of training like i'm thinking probably more things like that are topic specific something if you have a diabetes question coding question you could find a webinar on diabetes coding or cardiology coding that sort of thing and keep ours much more fine-tuned to a topic than the overall let's train you and get you certified i'm focusing more on people who are already certified and just want topic-specific fine-tuning. All right, let's take a moment and hear a word from our sponsor. This episode is presented to you by the Medical Coding Geek Tutoring Network. We're not just about the funny medical coding memes you see on social media. We're also a growing network of experienced, specialized, and credentialed professionals. We do not offer prep courses or education programs. Rather, we offer focused, one-on-one tutor sessions that will give you what you exactly need to help you pass your exam. We offer tutoring for the CCS, CPC, RHIT, RHIA, and CDI certification exams. If you want to find out if our tutoring services is what you need to progress in your career, go to medicalcodinggeek.com. Also, we're looking to grow our network of tutors. If you're interested in joining our team, go to medicalcodinggeek.com. Okay, all right. So there's a certain level of specificity on the type of people that you're trying to 
deal with. But at least with Jobs for American, I'm going to call it JFAMC, uh, one of the things that you have stated is we offer support and advice. That's that's number one, of course. Uh, and of course, and you offer lots of job seeking related information. I think a lot of people, when you look and you can totally agree, the, the posts that fly into that group are definitely people who are seeking jobs. Can you kind of elaborate on that too? They are. We, we see a lot of people that are students that are looking for new opportunities, newly, newly credentialed people who are looking for their first opportunity. But we, I also am seeing a lot of medical professionals, perhaps they're in uh, physical therapy or they're nurses, and they want something that can use their medical knowledge but is perhaps not as physically demanding. So we are getting people who want to transition into coding from a different area of medicine. And personally, I think that is wonderful because just think about it. If you have a, somebody who's coding with all the knowledge that a nurse has in order to be licensed, that's going to be much, that's going, going to give them so much background knowledge that can only enhance their coding skills. So I would think companies would just be snapping those people up. They still need coding experience, and that's where, that's where we stumble sometimes, I think. It's that experience level that has to be overcome. Uh, one thing you do say, Pam, is with the group, you stated, they, uh, the group resets the people that are in a group, their expectation to line up with reality. What does that mean? Yeah. In the run-up to I-10, when, before I-10 was implemented, mm -hmm. everybody, everybody was panicking, kind of like the Y2K panic. And it didn't pan out the way everybody thought it would. People that were already coding did not leave their jobs in mass, so there weren't as weren't as nearly as many openings as had been anticipated. They also facilities worked dr drastically on that previous year to get all their backlog caught up. So there wasn't a huge lag. And I-10 did not turn out to be the monster everybody expected it to be. So there was a lot of talk about, oh my God, there's gonna be so many jobs opening up. There were jobs that opened up, but not to the degree that people had been told. Now I think there's almost perhaps an oversaturation of credentialed coders who took the training and expected to be able to, and were told they would be able to get a job, no problem. And that has not turned out to be the reality. So I think their expectations and what they were told has not materialized so you make a very good point is the fact that 
Yes, at least for me, my heroes heroes was this is my prediction back in when it was ICD nine. I thought when I ICD ten hit that the people that were very experienced were especially that were doing the coding, not talking about you know consulting or education. Uh, those people would retire, thus leaving openings available for those that. Uh, were you know either in the process and can move up, and then leaving positions open for those that are new. So that never really happened because, again, as you said, it 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 came over and then it didn't really do too much yet. I think it's, there's still opportunity for it to to grow. I, think oh, I, I agree, and I know a lot of my peers in the local area where I'm at had said, oh, I'm going to retire. I'm not going to deal with I-10. I know two that have done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> out of, out of like so many. three hospitals, I know two that did it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so after it, looking at it, after working with it, I'm like, well, this is not too bad. And I think also what plays a major role is a lot of the push from the associations, AHIMA and AAPC, AAPC to make it a requirement that they have to train in ICD-10. So this definitely created a boom for education to make that happen, to make it, and then you have the professional associations to make it a requirement. And then the big hoopla with, um, you know, over in the politics side uh, to ban it or perhaps delay it even more created such more of a situation than what (laughs) what it really should have been and i talked to you know one my one of my my physician i and he asked me because he knows i'm a coder he says you know how was icd-10 i said well how was icd-10 <laughs> he says well it's not really that bad and he was pretty relieved that it wasn't like you said the y2k bug right and that's basically it turned out to be you know nothing in the grand scheme of things yes it took a learning curve But we have to do that all the time. Things change so rapidly. Technology in medical procedures changes so rapidly. That's why new codes have to be created. So you're constantly having to learn something. They change the codes every year. Right, and I think it's a matter of patience, and you'll talk about that in a second, uh, what does it need to be? What what does one need to be in order to be in the field? We'll definitely touch on that. But before that, let's go back to our original thing, which you just started. It's the start of JFAMC. You stated it started back in on a whim, right? Uh, in 2004, 2015. Uh, and I think in terms of a timeline um, and the fact that you're you're growing so fast, my group, Medical Coding Geek, started in June. And I'm only sitting at uh, about 6,000. So yours have definitely have grown in terms of the idea that the, the group has a very specific focus on jobs. Nobody's going to say no to that, right? So right. You know, exactly. everybody, that's where everybody's attention is at in terms of the jobs. Uh, one thing you did say in terms of how it was created, you you started in the same place that I started. Which group was that? Can you name the group? It was in create create a coder. I, I was in that group and I saw the exchange where the girl said she needed they her clinic would need a receptionist 
somebody else said these jobs get lost amongst all the other stuff, it would be nice if there was one place to put them all. And I, I guess I saw an opportunity. <laughs> so I reached over, made a group, and the rest is history. And that was it, right? Much. So. The same regard, the same thing happened to me. I was actually in another group. Um, I was lost and I was promoting my tutoring services. And then Lori Woods, who, by the way, is the administrator for Create a Coder, uh, was was in another. She's in a bunch of groups and she saw me and then she picked me up. She says, well, can you do this in my group and Create a Coder? And then she created that. I mean, she put me in the group and then I thought the same way. I said, well, I think. I need to do something more on people, things about that makes a medical coder, you know, on top of skills, just lifestyle, uh, you know, a culture. And I created my group the same way you did in terms of, you know, something happened. You're like, okay, well, can I give something more specific in terms of job information and job skills? And you created that group. So it's funny how, and by the way, I'm going to have her as part of a guest. Uh, she deserves one because it seems like she's the kind of like pivotal person who creates. She has been a mentor to so many people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll definitely talk about um, I have I have her um, and hopefully we'll get her recorded pretty soon. But, you know, she created essentially to me, she's like the fairy godmother of Facebook groups for, <laughs> for medical coders. Right? He was one of the first. Yeah. Yeah. And then she split off to create two more beasts. Uh, because of her uh, mentorship and you know, just the willingness just to just to help somebody, and I think that's that's very important today uh, in our industry. Okay, all right. Next thing I do want to talk about is what does JFAMC do for the medical coding community? I know you mentioned some stuff. Is there anything else that you wanted to add to what? What does JFAMC offer to the medical coding community? Um, we offer a place for people to connect is, I think, the main thing we have accomplished. I went out early on and invited educators, uh, Linda Andrews, um, Pietro and Grande, um, Michelle Cowart, you, different ones, that I invited you to come in and teach and interact with these people. Pietro is great as an advocate for AHIMA, and he, if there is an AHIMA question, he's ready, willing, and able to answer that question. He knows AHIMA. I don't. I know AAPC. So... That was one component. We brought in educators. Then I went out, okay, I can go go on Indeed and post a lot of jobs, but we need something more specific. So I found recruiters on LinkedIn, and I invited them to come in. Imagines, um, Oxford, different companies that I knew were reputable. And I invited them to come in, and they started posting jobs. They talked to their peers, the word spread, and it is what it is. Right. Uh, one thing you, you do have in terms of the 
uh, breakup of JFAMC is 28 spin-off groups. What are those groups? How come you created so many, to, you know, of the of the sub? Well, uh, the, the sub somebody groups? wanted a group. I don't, I don't remember the state now, but it seems like it was they wanted one to connect with people in Florida. Okay. Well, we have the Florida, Puerto Rico, and Virgin Islands group because we encompass United States and legal territories right. and uh, military installations. So it's Florida, Puerto Rico, and Virgin Islands. And somebody you can't have one state without everybody else wanting their state represented. So we it was one one day we set up all those different groups. All, yes, I remember I, when that happened. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. It, my husband was sitting on the couch next to me. He was like, what in the heck are you doing? <laughs> and Because I was laughing. I'm like, oh, my gosh, now they want Montana. Now they want this one. <laughs> we had West. We have some for the middle middle part of the country. We have Texas all by itself. We have assorted different groups. We have the Northeast. We have the Northwest. We even have a couple of members who are in Guam. So we have the Pacific. We have Hawaii and Hawaii and the Pacific Islands. So, um, and we have quite a few people, believe it or not, in Hawaii that are part of the group. People in Alaska. It's hard for some of these places that are so remote to have any kind of support or connection with other people. So I think we provide that in a large part. We have people that are interacting, that live in Hawaii, and they can talk to people in Florida about how do you do so-and-so in, if you're coding cardiology. You know, that sort of thing happens a lot. Um, we have the education group for the, or the support group where they can ask coding questions. I don't even allow recruiters in that group because that is strictly for somebody saying, I have this, I have this situation in a chart. How would you approach that? What kind of backup can you provide? Could I provide as far as an authoritative reference? Kind of like a like a like a sub research group, kind of like to help people with their research in terms of trying to find the answer. Okay, got it. Exactly, exactly, and we call it the coding coding billing support questions group. Um, and I have some awesome people in there that are great at research, and I think that's one, maybe one of the most gratifying things about this has been that. I have been able to connect with so many people and so many different specialties that are basically experts in their in their field. They may not be recognized as subject matter experts, but they could, could certainly qualify as that. And I have people that speak in nationally. They speak for APC. They speak for Decision Health at the large conferences. 
and those these are people that that I have come to know and love inside this group. I've met a few of my group members personally in person, and it's just so gratifying to hear the stories that people tell me. Yeah, you know, definitely. With that is is the fact that that's the key of networking. And that is big. It's just the fact that you're just meeting people, getting their insights, learning who they are and what they're all about. And, and and this is the reason why, you know, for those that are definitely new, you have to reach a certain point to where you're not trying to expect a job. You're trying to just learn more about people. And when you learn more about people, you gain a certain perspective, which might spark an interest, which might, you know, lead to further education and then more specialties and then you know the doors open at that point when you connect and learn from other people not just say okay uh i'm in this area i need a remote uh full remote part-time job can you give it to me i said well you know in in a recent podcast with uh, mark graham i said well who are you first of all Uh, i don't even know who you are you don't even know who i am and that 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 icebreaker needs to happen. You need to break that barrier in order for you to, and for, imagine for you, Miss Pam has just broken a lot of those, you know, done a lot of icebreakers. You're breaking a lot of those barriers are connected with a lot of people. So your net worth in terms of your network is very big. That is more valuable than any coding skill. On it, you know, in terms of your, your years of experience, and the fact of just the, the ability to talk and connect with people, that is the most important skill. Okay. It has turned out to be, I don't know, after 30 years, I guess I've found my niche. You know, <laughs> But um, I have been able to create an atmosphere where people can connect with educators, they can connect with recruiters, with hiring managers, they can connect with people who are at different places in their lives, at, at different places in the country even. Speaking of the people that we have in, in say, Alaska, somebody in Fairbanks, they there may only be two or three coders there. The closest group is in Juneau. That's over a thousand miles they can't drive that far for a meeting but they can connect through this group with people in Juneau or people in Tampa <laughs> if that's what who they want to talk to you know so I think it has shortened the distance for some people yeah I, I definitely agree with that with, with the advent of technology of course that definitely helps you went from coding with with typewriters up <laughs> until now you know right exactly exactly technology has done that i went from writing out hypertension as a word to 401 you know and then eventually 401.9 and then 401.91 and now it's i10 so it's been a progression over the years all right no that's definitely a lot of progression a lot of technology a lot of transition that definitely is the key
I want to thank Pam for being a guest on this podcast. You can find Jobs for American Medical Coders by going to www.facebook.com slash groups slash JFAMC. You can go to Facebook and do a group search for Jobs for American Medical Coders, and you could find a wide variety of specialty groups that they have. You can also go to their website, jfamc.org. And don't forget the Health Information Relief Operation Fund. You can donate by going to hiro.medicalcodinggeek.com. Again, that's hiro.medicalcodinggeek.com. Coming up on the next episode of Not Elsewhere Classified. Well, like I said, we have very, I have very set rules for the groups, and we don't, we almost never deviate from those. That helps a lot. We're not just kind of all over the place. Not Elsewhere Classified is presented and produced by Medical Coding Geek. Music was brought to you by 43 and Coyote Hearing. Medical Coding Geek offers tutoring and media services for the medical coding, health information, and CDI community. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MED Coding Geek. That's MED Coding Geek. You can also find us on our website, medicalcodinggeek.com, where you can find and listen to all the podcast episodes plus the show notes from today. Make sure to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. We would definitely appreciate it. And again, thank you for being part of this podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kui, and you have just listened to Not Elsewhere Classified. MedicalCodingGeek.com This podcast is supported by Weebly.com. Have a product? Building a company? You'll need a website. Create your site with Weebly's drag-and-drop website builder and responsive themes without any technical experience. Believe me, I built my website in under 30 minutes. It really is that easy. Listeners of this podcast will receive a 10% discount on any Weebly subscription plan or promote plan. To get this discount, go to Weebly. That's W-E-E-B-L-Y dot medicalcodinggeek.com. Again, that's weebly.medicalcodinggeek.com.